Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. This is Jerry Crispin from Career Crossroads. I'm with Shalia Gray, who I have known now for probably almost 20 years and quite a few interesting companies and organizations that she's belonged to. I also know she's so involved in everything from RPO to outplacement to whatever over the years that she just digs deeper and gets into it. And I just find it fascinating, her career. So, Shalia, welcome, and welcome back to uh, Career Crossroads. Thank you. I'm very excited to be a member again. I feel like I, I really didn't have that long of a break, but yeah, I'm very excited. You've been a member in a variety <laughs> of different places. Yeah, I, I brought everyone over to the, to, the, to the better side. Most of my companies, I think, still are members, so they got, yeah. I exposed them to, to Career Crossroads. They saw the value of the organization. And they continue to, to see it as a best practice. So well, it's a community that I think people care about each other. And you certainly epitomize that. Yeah. I remember the first time you hosted, I think it was in Nashville. Yeah. IP. yeah. I was at an international paper doing the same thing I'm kind of doing now, doing transformation work. And the organization had been very insulary. So I exposed them to Career Crossroads so they could learn outside of Memphis. Because at that time, we were going through a lot of global transformation. And the organization just, it was new to them. And so uh, exposing them was really good. So how, how have things changed? So you are now with Quadient. Is yeah. that, did I pronounce that right? Yes, Quadient. Yes. Quadient. And tell me a little bit about the company and how you chose to be there. So Quadient, actually, um, you're saying a new name. We were actually one company who had two different brands that's going through a transformation. So um, Quadiance is officially rebranded as of last year. And that's, and I'll talk a little bit about why I came on board because of the rebrand and officially our name becomes in the market as of February as Quadiance um, in the U.S. In the U.S., we used to be known as Neopost for the most part. Ah, okay. Yeah. What I love and I thrive on is organizations that are excited about some type of global transition. So I was at GE Appliances, my previous company, loved it, loved it, loved it. Very good organization. I came there to help them as they became a part of a company called Hire. I was enticed by this organization because first, it's based in France. And so I'm actually a working remotely yay that works in the wintertime. I get to work remotely. <laughs> it was a company with 22 different countries and everybody was operating autonomously. So I had the ability to not only do a transformation and I've done transformations with global companies before, but it's a few companies and there's a lot of standardization. Literally, there was none here. And Got so it. most people would walk into a house that only has roof, floor, and some walls and say, what is this? I walked in and said, oh my gosh, the possibilities. Taking an organization that had 20 plus career websites, three applicant tracking systems, at least five different languages to translate everything in. And a team that was eager. And, and, and I really like organizations where the business understands the value of TA. One of those organizations that even before I started, they wanted me to meet the business leaders so I could understand the global strategy and where TA showed up. And that alone sold me in addition to the fact that they know how to create a budget for TA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So yeah. I love it. 
So, <laughs> so now that you're kind of happily ensconced with Quadiant, what do you see the next six months like? If you have to predict the future for what you need to accomplish, what's kind of the short-term things that, that are going to be put in place? So I eloped. It wasn't, a long, it wasn't a long engagement. I eloped and I jumped right in the fire and I jumped in as they were making the announcement about a new company. Got it. As a result, I jumped into a lot of activities that we probably in the recruiting world would have staged a little bit differently. So I jumped in and one of my projects is the employee value proposition. And you can imagine having decentralized recruiting, multiple countries, multiple cultures, now trying to make that work. So one of my goals is to have our EVP up in place in the next month. We've been working on focus groups and gathering data around the world. So the EVP is like number one. Those are the selling messages for my recruiters, for the hiring managers, and that we visibly have out there to identify who we are. Second was the recruitment service delivery model. So in each region of the world, the question was, who do I go to to recruiting? In some places, it was HR. Some places, it was agency. Where do we go? So I've been working for the last several months identifying who are those single points of contact for all of the hiring managers and all the roles around the world. So now that we have that, I'm now going back and looking at what we can augment with RPO, potentially things like operations, offer letters, those kind of transactional things. Mm -hmm. So getting the recruitment service delivery model is number two. Number three is all the operational stuff, which is making sure in every region that we have all of our compliance pieces in place. We have policies that support it. In addition to that, I'm consolidating all of the applicant tracking systems into one. We did an RFP last year. And so Workday is coming into place and we're working on transitioning Workday in which means rolling off of three applicant tracking systems. It also means that I had to collapse about 10 different glass door sites. I had to collapse uh, all of our LinkedIn sites, move all of our jobs and create one live section there. In February, we will have one career website. So I'm working right now on getting that up and done, all the assets, the branding, the testimonials, because that's a, a big part of who we are in our face to the market. The uh, fourth initiative in the next six months is around our sourcing. So in each region of the world, there's been a different sourcing strategy. So I'm getting my teams more focused into direct sourcing, things like AIRS training for them to make sure they have the foundational basis, because my recruiters have different levels depending where they are in the world. Um, Coming up, we've come up with our SLAs on service delivery. Now I want to make sure that they have the ability to have direct sourcing. So we have regional partners of employment branding firms in the different regions of the world. We're now working with them for them to define our competitive position we need to have in Germany and in Czech Republic and in France and in Switzerland. What should be our competitive position? And then what do we do to push the envelope to do something that other organizations are not doing to to do talent? So that's a competition we now have with our um, partners to give us that info. And then last is to measure performance. So I believe performance is measured in two ways. One is results, which everyone does by just looking at the numbers. But for me, the bigger piece is the experience that our hiring managers and our candidates go through. So as we built the applicant tracking system, put in the processes, we took the criteria from the candy awards and took it seriously as we built our systems and tools to say, how many times do we touch a candidate? And what is the experience they should have every time we touch them? And how do they give us feedback back on that experience? So those are my five goals for this year. 
Wow. Well, it's... <laughs> I love Only five it. goals. Only yeah, five Just goals. that, you know, Only it's five. that. We'll work yeah. out a couple other things later. <laughs> I, I love it. That was, that was so great. And and you are just a, a joy to refer and tell people, you know, you, you should talk to Shalia because... <laughs> What you're talking about, she's working on right now, you know, so it's always always fun. And on the side, I've been still trying to stay current with technology by Mm -hmm. seeing what technology roadmap. Even as when I built Workday, I learned from my lessons last time that I'm not doing a lot of integrations up front. I'm being very mindful of my my partners and tools on the tech space. Some of them will be integrations later. I've asked the question on all my partners, can you integrate? Could you integrate? And the question is, should we get? That last piece, I think, is becoming increasingly important. And one of the things we're going to do for each of the eight or nine meetings we have this year is to invite two to four technologies that are related to whatever the theme is for the meeting. And then we're going to record what they have to say. Very good. Very, very good. So that way, everybody, whether they go to the meeting or not, has access to that information. And that way we can sort of uh, accumulate at least a few of those that are out there that that are coming up from our members. And that's really where the source is. They're they're being uh, referred, if you will, by, by members in relation to that. So the last question, Shalia, is outside of work. <laughs> and I get well, it. Work can be all encompassing on occasion, but there has to be probably some things that really give you satisfaction in terms of getting engaged with. It could be family and or community things, etc. But what is it that you know floats your boat out there? You know, um, I've lived all over, so I moved back to North Carolina. So connecting with family just became a part of me living here again. Right, being able to to be able to be 45 minutes, connect with my my undergraduate university, all that. The thing that I love doing, and I started it here when I lived in North Carolina several years ago, was I went and got certified to teach English as a second language. And um, I love it, love it, love it. I had a friend who was doing it. Her company had a lot of employees at the time that were transitioning in from other parts of the world. And one of the things she found in HR was cultural norms were very hard for them to understand because a lot of the stuff we do in the U.S. is not literal, whatever. So she decided to do this years ago. So there was a program at Duke University for English as a second language. So I decided to go through the program. I did. And so I started to work with two different types of populations. One are refugees who come to the United States. So Mm -hmm. these are people who don't speak any English at all. Um, Most of them are not literate in their own language. So they do not know how to write their own language. When the United States brings them in as refugees, they have 30 days to, to normalize, to find a job. We help them with housing, all of that. We've had a lot of refugees who come in North Carolina, but I've done this in, in Texas and other places. Most of the states now have English as a second language connected with their community college, but schools and community colleges are run on a calendar cycle. So if you come in outside of the calendar cycle, how do you learn English? Mm-hmm. And so the refugee centers, churches, other places now set up areas so people can learn English as a second language. So I've gone in, I teach classes. I love teaching the basics, which is even how to grocery shop. I do the life skills pieces, how to communicate, what day is it, what month is it? Because many of these people have to look for jobs within the first 30 days. So everything about that is just you know new to them. So I love it. And then I also teach people that are literate in their own culture, but then they are transitioned. So you are a doctor in Poland and you have to come to the U.S. and you have to take a proficiency exam in English before you can 
then go through all the steps to the conversation, whatever. So I teach those students. So that's a, also a very different piece because that's around pronunciation. What did you do to go and get certified? I mean, it, did you go to a local college or someplace? There are many different ways to do it. So most of the people in my program actually wanted to go live overseas. So they wanted a formal education, not online, all of that. There are a lot of online programs. Which is what I heard about. You yeah. know, I mean, I never thought of, of being doing this here. Uh, yeah, I had to go through a year of practicums. And I will tell you the difference that it does is when I teach in some of the programs, people go in and they try to wing it, right? right. I went in, because I went through a formalized program at a university, it was, here's how you create the syllabus. Here's your philosophy. Are you teaching people to be perfect in the language or to be able to communicate in the language? There's a different set of philosophy. If you're teaching people to be perfect in the language, you're trying to teach them how you learn English by synonyms and homonyms and all that. Is that important or is it important for them to be conversational? If it's conversational, then what are the basics of conversation to make them be able to socialize in the system? So there's different techniques that I learned by going through that the different models of learning, how when you don't speak a language, how to communicate, right? Because I don't speak all of the various languages. Some of the countries I've taught students for, I don't even know where they are on the map. I mean, I just, you know, (laughs) right? Yeah, I get it. And so I'm not, you know, that fluent, but I've learned how to communicate to people who can't communicate in English. And those are some of the basics that a college program actually teaches you because the people who actually taught my program were actually people that taught a language in another country. They could bring all that back mm-hmm. about what it means to assimilate. Or there are people that were in the Peace Corps and had to actually right. be in a situation where they were out of the norm and had to learn how to communicate. So I felt like my classes were really good. It was a year. It was a, it was a long year. And then I had to do a practicum in a program, be evaluated by an instructor, all of that to prove their professional. So I think that was a little bit different than just going online, taking some language classes. Not to say that they're not good, but that's not how I did my undergrad or grad learning. And that's not how I wanted to do something that I felt was this important. Cool. What a wonderful way to not only give back, but just to connect in so many different ways. Actually, I I always learn something every time I talk to you. And this this certainly is one of those as well. Yeah. I just want to thank you for being here and for being involved. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time.